Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries with James Myers. In this series, we are observing men and women in the Bible, what we can learn from them, and observing God's constant faithfulness in the lives of His people. Today, we discuss the history of Jacob. We hope this message serves to edify the church. Okay, so I decided we're not going to break Jacob off into two pieces. We're going to really look at his first kind of half of his life, and I'd implore you to read the rest of his account with his 12 sons, because um, there's just a lot there. We briefly discussed that when we were in Acts chapter 7. Um, but we're going to look at Jacob, who marries Rachel and Leah, and they both have uh, handmaidens, uh, so they'll be concubines of Jacob's too, uh, but we'll, we'll look at that here shortly. So the first story we are going to look at, remember this is just after he stole the blessing from Esau, and he's fleeing to his uncle Laban in Padan Aram, really to Haran, uh, but that's where he's fleeing to, and uh, by the grace of God, uh, he has this encounter. And this, we're going to look at chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. Give you all a moment to get there. Okay. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night, because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it uh, at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east. Uh, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and, I will, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had, that he had put at his, his head, set it up as a pillar, and, poiled, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz uh, previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me I will uh, surely give a tenth to you. So... Remember, in the previous account, we saw, or well, last week, we saw that Rebecca, God had spoken to Rebecca when she was pregnant, and, you know, she had the, that tumult going on inside of her, so she, she seeks after God, and he tells her, you know, two nations are in your womb, and the older will serve the younger. So Rebecca knew that. This is the first time Jacob is called by God. So really... This is basically his moment of conversion. This is kind of his conversion experience. Every Christian has at least one experience that they can point back to where God found them pretty much sleeping in sin and in the darkness, and then by his grace woke them up into his, into his light. And that's what's going on with Jacob here. And so what, what God does is while he's sleeping, he comes to him in a dream, in the vision in the night, just like we've seen he, uh, God does to his apostles, such as Paul, Peter was another one. But So he comes to him, and he sees a vision of a ladder stretching from the, the earth 
up to heaven. Now, we cannot make sense of this letter at all apart from pointing forward to the first chapter of John when, when uh, uh, Jesus finds Nathaniel. Well, Philip really found him, and he came to him, and, and he has this discourse, and basically he said, he, uh, Nathaniel asks, how do you know me? And he says, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. He was probably praying, we don't know. And he says, surely you are the Son of God. And basically Jesus says, do you believe because I saw you under the fig tree? Surely you will see greater things than these. You will see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And that's what this is. The ladder up to heaven is, is, is accompanied by angels ascending and de descending on the ladder uh, up to heaven. Now what that signifies is our prayers going up to heaven, our supplications, our worship going up to heaven, and God coming down in and through his word, in and through his ministering spirits. Angels are ministering spirits for man. They are man's helpers. Hebrews makes, makes a lot of that. So angels, it's not just angels though. It's basically God coming down and also our prayers, our supplications, again, our worship and praise and thanksgiving, our sacrifice, everything that we send up to God is by the, man, the Son of Man. This ladder is ultimately prefiguring Christ. That's why Christ says, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Because now our prayers go through Christ. Our worship, our, our sacrifice, everything that we give to God goes through Christ. And everything that God gives to us comes down through Christ. So this is a fantastic picture, which is again, Jacob's first experience of God establishing his covenant, which he did with Abraham, he did with Isaac, and now he is with Jacob through this wonderful vision that points forward to the Son of God, namely Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's his first vision, and he establishes his covenant with him. And again, this is when he's fleeing. And so he's, he still finds him while he's still at that around Canaan, basically, so the, the sojourning land, the land that he's promising to give to his descendants. So he finds him there, and he even promises him that you will return back in peace. I promise you, you know, you will return back here and, and live here where, you know, I am going to give this land uh, to your descendants. Man. Um, there we go. Uh, so, again, a, a gracious vision, a wonderful vision, and so, again, here, he, he, he sees, and again, this is his first conversion experience, and so he says, surely God is in this place, and I did not know it. He had no idea. Now he, he puts the stone there, and then he pours oil on it. Basically, he's anointing this experience so that when any other uh, uh, following uh, occasions, experiences, he points back to, and that's going to play a part in our next study. It, when, when we look at Acts, this is very important. He has this first experience that he will continue, that he will never forget about. He will never forget, forget about this wonderful vision of this ladder. What it means will, will, will progressively be revealed to him. But basically what God is also saying is when he says, surely God is in this place and I did not know it, God is everywhere. So he will be with Jacob even in Haran, in, in uh, Abraham's f old father's country. Uh, but he finds him right where he was, just like he finds all of us, sleeping in sin. And he arouses us 
to the Son of Man, which, you know, ascends up to heaven, and he brings us with him. You know, he descends down to heaven to ascend with us. Okay? All right. And the God of Bethel, this is going to be important as when we see him wrestling with the angel. He, he mentions this, and so, again, he points back to this. Well, God did, but he points back to this. Okay, now let's go ahead and look at Leah and Rachel. So we're going to read chapter 29. Everybody ready? Should be one arrow away. All right. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they, they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks were gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, uh, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place at the well's mouth. Real quickly, let's go ahead and take these in chunks. So remember, when Abraham's servant was sent out, it was the same kind of a deal. He went to where he knew all the women were going to be, and so that's probably what Jacob is doing. He's going there where he knows they're going to be. Um, so the, the, there was a big stone on the well uh, so for protection. Anyway, and Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. So again, that's where he's heading. Uh, then, then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. Uh, so he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Uh, then he said, Look, it is still high day. It, uh, it is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. So Jacob's trying to get rid of them, basically. Uh, but they said, we cannot, go, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and they, have, uh, and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, uh, his mother's brother, yeah, uh, uh, that Jacob went near and rolled a stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. So he takes it upon himself and moves it, and so uh, they can go ahead and water the flocks. Uh, then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. He already knows that this is a re relative of his um, uh, and Jacob told Rachel that uh, he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Again, they already know Rebekah, and that's Laban's sister. Uh, then it came to pass, when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, uh, that he ran out to meet him. Now remember, going back to when the servant showed up and he was getting all gold and stuff, he's probably expecting <laughs> some of that, and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are bone of, you are my bone and, and my flesh. Now remember, let's go back to uh, Adam and Eve. You are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So Laban is saying, You are of me, because you know we're, we're relatives. Uh, uh, and he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relatives, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Then Laban had two, daughter, two daughters, the uh, name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful in form and, and appearance. So her eyes being delicate could mean that she had poor eyesight, or it could just mean that she just didn't have as pretty, as pretty eyes as, as Rachel, that kind of a thing. Uh, now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. So he's going to serve Laban seven years for Rachel. Then Laban said, uh, it is better that I give her to you than, uh, than that I should give her to another man. 
uh, stay with me. So Laban's basically saying, of course, it's better for me to give you to her or give her to you than some other uh, spare guy. Uh, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. So he's happy to do this, and they seem like they fly by because he's so excited about <laughs> marrying Rachel. Uh, and Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid uh, uh, Zilpah uh, to his daughter Leah as a maid. Now it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I have served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. So, let's remember, Jacob tricked his father. He deceived his father, and now Jacob is being deceived. Let's, let's remember that. Now, by God's grace, this is, this is for his providence, actually. Jacob has a bunch of sons, really because he has a bunch of women. He's married to two, and he's got two concubines. Zilpah is, is, is uh, her, now her handmaiden, and she'll, both of the concubines bear two sons, okay? So, uh, but, so, Laban tricked him, so, um, and he's, and basically he, he, his excuse is, it's not good that, you know, the younger should be, but he had already agreed to it, and so he deceived him, and, and Jacob uh, is at peace with that, and uh, so, and then, so verse 27, fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service for which you will serve me, uh, with me still another seven years. So basically he's saying, okay, fulfill her week, basically it's like a, you give, you get a week after the, the wedding ceremony. To, for all sorts of different rites and rituals and all this kind of thing. So basically, uh, finish the week off, and then we'll have another wedding. You can go ahead and marry Rachel, but you're going to have to serve me another seven years. And he agrees to it because he, he, he loves Rachel. He's, he married Leah. He didn't know that, so he's still not married to Rachel. So that's what he's got to do. That's what he's going to do. Um, Okay, then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel, his wife also. And Laban gave, him, gave his maid uh, Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So remember that. Remember we had, we had already talked about that. Uh, you know, Rachel's womb was closed just like Sarah's was, just like Rebecca's was for a time, and God will open her womb. And that's actually where Joseph, you know, that's whom Joseph and Benjamin, but we'll get to there. So, uh, so Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord uh, surely looked on my affliction, because uh, Jacob loves Rachel more than, more than Leah, and that hurts her heart, you know, that hurts her feelings. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Now, Reuben means see a son. Uh, then she conceived again and bore a son, and, she, and said, because the Lord has heard uh, that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Simeon means heard. Uh, she conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, uh, his name was called Levi. So she just keeps on, she thinks that she, if she keeps on giving him sons, eventually she's going to realize that since Rebecca, or Rachel is barren, you know, I'm going to love Leah more. Now I'm going to love Leah because now she's bearing me sons. So she called him Levi. Levi means attached. That's what she wants. She wants Jacob to be attached to her. 
then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord, for she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. So again, we all, we all know what that name means. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, what's the name? Okay, so that's how, that's where Leah's first four sons, that's where we get uh, Leah's first four sons. Um, so we're not going to read the following account, but basically Rachel complains uh, that, you know, she's barren, and, and, and she also asks, Reuben gone out and, and found some mandrakes, and it's a type of food. Rachel asks for them, and Leah basically says, if you let me go in and lie with Jacob tonight, then you can have the mandrakes. That's cool. <laughs> you know, and, and so they agree to that, and Leah goes, uh, goes in and lies with Jacob, and she has two more sons. Uh, well, th yeah, uh, two more sons and a daughter. Isaacar, which means wages. Zebulun, which means dwelling. And a daughter, Dinah, which means uh, judgment. But before that, so since, uh, since Rachel was barren, she gave, remember, just like Sarah had with Abraham, she gave her him uh, Hagar. That was her, uh, his concubine then. And so Le uh, Rachel gives him Bilhah, and she bears uh, Dan, which means judge, and Naphtali, which means my wrestling. Then God opens her womb, and she bears Joseph first, which means he will add. Later, well, and then, and then Leah gives, gives uh, Jacob, now they're in competition, you know, <laughs> then she gives uh, Jacob her uh, uh, handmaiden, uh, Zilpah, and she bore Gad, which means troop or fortune, and Asher, which means happy. And you, you, sh you can read these accounts so that you can kind of see the context in which these, these sons are being named and probably for, why these, for what reason these sons are being named. Much later, though, after everything we're reading here, uh, Rachel, uh, Rachel does conceive and, you know, another son, which is Benjamin, and she dies bearing, you know, uh, giving birth to him. Very sad account. Uh, very sad account, but uh, so Benjamin is the last son, and his his name. And she first wanted to name him Ben Oni, which means son of my sorrow. But uh, Jacob renames him uh, Benjamin, which means son of the right hand. So that's those are the twelve sons. Those are the meanings of the the names of those twelve sons. We are not going to look at them because they're they're just you know there's just so many. We talked about Joseph briefly, so you know I would implore you to continue. Uh, your own studies in that regard. Next week, we're going to jump to Moses um, and look at him. So those are the those are the twelve tribes. Now, when uh, when um, Israel it becomes a country, becomes a nation, since Levi is of the priesthood, Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and so they each have a tribe too. So basically, they're it's kind of like you think of the United States where it has 50 states. It's basically 12 tribes. Okay, so it's one nation, 12 tribes until they're, they're divided. Okay. So let's jump to Genesis uh, chapter 31. This is when Jacob flees from Laban. And it'll, it'll get to why. Okay. Um, now Laban heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that our fathers, uh, all that was, our, well, let me set this up real quickly. So after that seven years, he serves Rachel, you know, and everything's fine. Nothing's indicating that, he, that Jacob wants to flee. He doesn't, he, at this point, everything's perfectly fine. He's content with staying there. So he does, and they agree to him working, and so he's working for 
the flocks. And so first, Laban says, you can have all of the streaked of the flock. Okay. Now what happens is, and, and I'm not going to get into how Jacob kind of made this happen, happen but basically the, 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 the birth of the, the following sheep all became out streaked. So basically, Jacob is gaining everything from Laban. You know, because the more sheep that are streaked, then Laban is left with all else. So most of them are streaked coming out. And so then Laban's like, okay, forget about this. You can have all the spotted ones. And, and so then he gets it to where basically all of them are spotted. So he, t he ends up with a huge amount of flocks. So uh, Laban's sons are kind of complaining. Basically, he's, they're saying... Jacob's kind of stealing everything from our father, which is really from God's providence. Laban is trying to be greedy with this, and this is where some contention starts because he keeps on changing Jacob's wages, which is what he's going to get into. He changes them ten times, and even then, God is still faithful to Jacob when Laban's trying to deceive him. Okay. So, now Jacob heard the words of uh, Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all, the, uh, all that was our father's, and from what our, was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as it was before. Uh, because again, all he wants is or his riches, and now, even though he's agreeing to this, it's just like the Rachel situation. He, he just wants what he wants, and that's all he's focused on. Um, then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So this is God telling him, Go. It's time for you to go. Okay, this is, this is, this is done. You need to go. Uh, so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to, his, to the field, to his flock, and said to them, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable, favorable toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me which God promised, remember? And you, and you know that, uh, that with all my might I have served your father. Let your fa yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. There we go. But God did not allow him to hurt me. There you go. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, your streaked shall, shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped among, upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your, eye, lift your eyes now and see. All the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. There you go. He's referring to his experience. He, God is pointing him back to that. Uh, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? Uh, are we now considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completed, completely consumed our money. So they're just saying, basically, you know, we're married to you now anyway, and so you know, we're supposed to leave our father and mother and be one with you. So, I mean, ultimately, it's up to you anyway. And either way, we have no inheritance with him because since you took it all <laughs> and he spent all, all, all the rest. Um, 
Then, yeah, and then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there still any portion or inherit? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. That's 16. For all these riches which God has taken from our father were really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Now, this isn't true. Laban has sons, so some of it would have gone to them too. Um, But that's for another time. Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions which he had gained, he, his acquired livestock which he had gained in Padan Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. It's important. Yeah, she's... St- to her, this is probably a little greedy game too. Like, she, to her... She's not getting any of the inheritance from her father. Jacob has basically gotten it all fairly and and justly. And so she's going to take what she can. And uh, And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, and that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He rose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountain of Gilead. Uh, then Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But, but God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good or bad. That's really inter- that's important. Laban's probably pursuing him to kill him. He has every right to, and which we'll see. He has every right to, but he's gathering all these men, and he's pursuing them, them really for that purpose, but God comes to him and says, don't speak Jacob one way, good or evil, basically, you know, don't try to puff him up since now you know he's protected by me, just be real, okay, no more of this deceit and no more of uh, uh, fake um, adulation as well, Um, so... Thank you. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pinched it, pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched them in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that, he, that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword? Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with timbrel and harp. Yeah, right. We already knew his countenance was not favorable, favorable to him. He didn't, he didn't care for this at all. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. So his sons, he's meaning his grandsons. Uh, now, you've, now you've done foolishly in so doing. Which is fairly true. I mean, he should have dealt with it first. God didn't tell him, go and don't tell Laban. He just sent, told him to go back to his father's house. Um, it is in my power to do, to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So basically, I would, do, I would have done this just so you know you were in, you were in peril. But uh, the God who is always going to be with you, the God who promised you that he would be with you, stopped me. Um, and now you have uh, surely gone because uh, you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my God's? Jacob didn't know about that. Rachel did that kind of in secret. Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, uh, uh, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. So he's answering the first question. Um, With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. So he's saying, I don't know about any of this. Uh, Whomever you find them with, don't let them live. In the presence of our brethren, because this is a whole other deal. Now, Now, I mean, if somebody actually stole from him while they were fleeing from him, then that that does deserve death, and so Jacob is even saying, really, I mean, even if it was one if it was one of his sons, so he's even saying because again he doesn't know anything about this. 
Um, obviously, if he would have known Rachel had done it, he loves Rachel, so he wouldn't have promised that. Um, uh, yeah, uh, with whomever, yeah, in the presence of our brethren, identify uh, what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tent, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols, put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me. And he searched, but did not find the household. So, I mean, there's just deceit after deceit after deceit all over the place. <laughs> Rachel, you know, Rachel's obviously sitting on them to hide them. And she says, you know, sorry, I'd get up, love to get up, but, you know, it's that time. And so I can't. Um, then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. Jacob answered and said to Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Again, now, because again, Jacob didn't know. Now he's very upset. Now you're now you're accusing me of something. You know, basically these twenty years I've served you, and I and I've and I've been faithful to you, and I've served you gladly. It's not my fault. All the you know all the flocks are coming out this way. It's God who's doing this. But I've been very faithful to you. You you know you deceived me, and I still worked for you, and all of the rest. So he has a righteous indignation right now. Um, yeah. Although you have searched my, all my things, what part of your household things have you found? See it here before my set it here before my my brethren, your brethren, that they may judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried; they're young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. That which was torn by beasts, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. So he's he's even he's doing everything. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was, in the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my, my eyes. Again, he's saying, I went through hell for you. <laughs> you know? Thus I have been in your house twenty years. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac, oh, there's so much there, had been with me, surely now you would uh, have sent me away empty-handed. So he's even saying, yeah, that's well and good. I, I, I love your idea that you would have sent me away with music and gladness, but no, you would have sent me away empty-handed. You and I both know that. God has, uh, God has seen my affliction and the labors of my, labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. So he's even saying, that's why God came to you, by the way. God didn't come rebuke me last night. He came to me on the way over here and showed me a ladder. <laughs> you didn't get a ladder. <laughs> anyway, uh, and Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to, see, to these my daughters or to their children whom they have borne? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jagar Sahudutha, yeah. And Jacob called it Gilead. Um, and Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day. So that's really, it's just a heap of witness. Uh, Laban's is in Ar Aramaic, and uh, um, Jacob's is in Hebrew. Uh, therefore, its name was called Gilead. 
uh, also mitzvah, because he said, May the Lord watch between you and me, whether we are absent from one another. If you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with you, see, God is witness between you and me. So basically he said, so they are parting. They will not see each other again. And they're putting this rock there so that Laban doesn't cross it, and Jacob doesn't cross it either. They, will never, they won't see each other again. And basically, so this... Is the, the, this is the stone of witness, but basically God is witness between you and me. See to it that you marry nobody else. You stay only married to my daughters. And even though no man might see it, God will see it. God is witness. That's what Laban's saying. Um, then, Laban sa- yeah. then Laban said to Jacob, Here is this heap, and here is the p- this pillar, uh, which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness. This pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. There's so much here, but again, we're not expositing that. Basically, this is the Lord's Supper. It's also kind of a Passover, but it's it's signifying... Um, that and early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them then Laban departed and returned to his place so thus is the story with Laban that's it in a nutshell uh, so again there was there was a lot of contention but the, but Jacob had to flee to Abraham's country stayed there for 20 years now he's returning to where God has called him to um, and um, and that's where he's going now. So that's the end of that account. Let's jump up to 32. Um, okay. Yeah. So real quickly, just to put it briefly, this is where I didn't, we're not going to have time to look at him meeting back up with Esau, but he's setting this up. Basically, he'd sent messengers to Esau for them to meet. For them to meet up, and there's there's a great there's a long story there. It ends up well. Esau greets him gladly again. It's been 20 years, so he's probably over it, kind of a thing. Uh, but there's a lot there. But this this happens just before he meets Esau. Okay, he yeah he, he sets it up to his where his families are kind of staggered, so that if if Esau attacks, basically it's it's uh, Zilpah and her two sons. And then it's Leah and their her six sons, and then it's no, I'm sorry, then it's Bilhah, the other concubine, and then it's Leah, and then it's Rachel because you know it's from the least favorite to the most favorite. So basically, you know, it's kind of like the front lines of the Marines. They're the kind of the ones that um, you know they put them in the most danger. They're kind of the expendables, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, you know, that kind of a thing. So. Um, that's all going on and he kind of takes off on his own to be alone for a while and that's where this happens okay so uh, uh, chapter 32 verses uh, 22 through 32 and he arose that night and took his two wives his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok remember that's before she has Benjamin Uh, he took them sent, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day now when he saw that he did not prevail against him he touched the socket of his his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him and he said let me go for the day breaks but he said I will not let you go unless you bless me and he said to him what is your name he said Jacob and he said your name shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. 
Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask me about, ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, uh, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his, lip, his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip of, on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. There's so much here that, God willing, when we return to this, we will look at this far more thoroughly. But this is a great, great account. So this is what's called a theophany. So again, it says that he wrestled with a man. Then he admits that it's God. So... This is a theophany, which basically means a physical manifestation of God. Okay, so the man, many people think it's Christ himself. I would venture to guess that same thing, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of get to that. So, but he's alone. Now, again, he first has his first conversion experience on his way to Padanaram. Now he's about to meet his, uh, his brother, whom he deceived. Remember, he had told his, uh, his father that he was Esau when... when uh, um, Isaac had asked him, who are you, my son? He said, I am Esau, and, and all that. Now, And so as he's about to meet Esau, Jacob's wrestling with himself. Okay, That's part of the Christian pilgrimage. On our walk, we will have wrestlings with God. We will have times where we don't understand. It seems like he's far off. Or sometimes something doesn't make sense in the, or the Word of God. And so we have to kind of wrestle around. To find, I mean, there's just so many different kinds of wrestling. Sometimes a, an actual struggle. You want to do one thing, and he wants you to do another. So there, there's a lot to point toward through this wrestling. But this is one of his sanctifying moments. This is where God is sanctifying him through wrestling with him. That's a, that, that, that's a beautiful deal. He, God doesn't just come down and rename him. No, he puts him through a struggle, through a struggle where Jacob is wrestling God face to face. That's why he names it Peniel. Okay, so, so then, let's see, he took them something from the brook. Uh, so, uh, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, of course, because it's God. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. The, the angel, the man, touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was uh, was out of joint, and he's wrestled with him. There's a big deal there, but again, so later that's why in Israel they did not eat the muscle that shrank, uh, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Again, we will return to that, God willing, some other time. But so that that just carries on uh, with with uh, Israel. Um, so the then the man, the angel, God says, "Let me go for the day breaks." But he said, "I will not let you go unless you bless me." So this wrestling is great. You you didn't prevail against me. I you know, uh, but you know, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. I need your blessing. This this is all for not if you don't bless me. This is just an occasion for no purpose unless you bless me. And so, uh, so let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? I know we've discussed this briefly, but remember, he deceived his father by calling, calling himself Esau. Now he is admitting, he is confessing to God, I am Jacob, I am a deceiver, I am a supplanter. All my life has been a deceit, other than my service to Laban. Laban 
what was the deceiver, and I was faithful to him. Once you called me and showed me your glorious ladder, and my way is to you, and you come to me, then I was faithful. I decided I would not deceive. I didn't know about Rachel, you know, I, I, so I've been faithful. But you know, now the angel is really putting him to the test. God is really asking him, "What is your name? What is your name?" And he admits he. He, he confesses, says, my name is Jacob. And then God renames him to Israel, which means prince, really prince from God. So, I mean, he, he re just like when we wear the name Christian, that's really Christ. He's calling us prince from God as well. We bear the same name. We wear him we wear his garment. We bear that same name. So he gives them, he gives uh, Jacob that wonderful name. This deceiver, this trickster, this fool. Which, you know, again, if you continue um, to read uh, his account and the accounts of his sons in particular, it's a pretty topsy-turvy life rest of his life, um, but God is faithful and abundantly faithful in and through his life and the life of his sons, as we discuss, even jo Joseph, you know, the son, uh, the, his brothers want to kill him and all the rest, and God uses their evil for good, just like the evil men who put, who rose Christ on the cross, all the world hung Jesus on the cross, so that which man meant for evil God has used for good, even hanging his son on the cross. Which, by the way, just really briefly, we talk a lot about Christ's suffering when he came to earth and his suffering on the cross. And when he's hanging there and he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Why have you forsaken me? God turning his back on his son was suffering from the father too. Let's be clear about that. Sending his son to suffer wasn't you know, lost on God the Father. Okay, let's just make that clear because I think a lot of people will point to this um, crazy cruel father for sending his son to do something like he wasn't willing to do as though it were a completely different person. The father sending his son is the father sending himself. So God the Father suffered along with his son. Um, but, so... That's the story of Jacob in a nutshell. Um, again, there's a lot more to this story. His reunion with Esau is actually really sweet. Um, so I would encourage you to read that. Um, and, uh, and again, the rest of Genesis as well. Uh, but those are the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have seen a brief synopsis of those three. But now you can at least see the context within those names when you see it elsewhere in Scripture. Now you generally know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Praise God. Any questions? Thank you for listening to Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope and pray this has blessed you in your walk with God, and we hope you join us again next week. You have been listening to Sea of Fire Ministries, where the Word of God is life.